Well, good morning to you. Our Lord is on His throne this morning. Amen. Aren't you glad? The verse this morning is from Mary Bubb. I was hoping Mary was going to be here this morning. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I was glad that this one got selected because it goes along with what we're going to be talking about today as we begin our series on prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer. When I started thinking about this and began to study, I thought, well, this will be sort of a mini-series. This wouldn't be very, very long study. But the more I get into this topic, the more expansive it becomes, the more conviction I undergo. And so there's a lot to cover. So not exactly sure how long we're going to be looking at the doctrine of prayer, the topic of prayer, but we're going to be talking about a lot of important issues when it comes to prayer. Uh, it's far more, far more than saying, God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for this food, amen. Sort of how I started out praying, thanks to my grandparents. Or now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I remember as a small, small kid being taught to pray that. And I'm glad, I'm glad I was taught to pray that. I think it's important. But there comes a time in a believer's life when they need to understand the importance of prayer and the importance of Bible study in their life. The definition, the definition of prayer. Are you ready for this? The definition of prayer is talking with God communicating with God. I could try to get much fancier with the definition. I could try to become more eloquent in defining prayer and trying to describe it. But there's nothing that's more simple than understanding that prayer is speaking to God, pouring your heart out to the one who loves you so, so very much, I remember the old Gaither song that the one who knows me best loves me most. You ever remember that song? The one who knows me best loves me most. And he desires to hear from us. He desires for us to communicate. He wants to hear from us. And you know what the good thing is about prayer? The good thing about prayer is God is not going to discover anything new about you as you pray. You don't have to worry about you revealing to something God, uh, to God that He didn't already know about you. In your prayer, you're not going to make a mistake and go, Oops, <laughs> I wished I hadn't revealed that. He already knows. And He already loves you. And He invites you to approach His throne of grace with excitement, with joy, with expectation, knowing 
that you are his child. And his invitation, as well as his arms, are open wide for you to come and cast all of your burden, all of your care upon him because he cares for you. That's the importance of prayer. And he has your best interest in mind. He wants you to know his will for your life. He wants you to understand what it is in your life that he wants you to do. He's not going to withhold that from you. But it's through prayer and studying of his word that all of that is going to be revealed to you. So what we're going to be covering over the next several weeks as we look at the doctrine of prayer, we're going to be talking about why pray, and we're going to get into that some today. Why do we pray? Why pray? How to pray? What about praying publicly? I know there are a lot of people that sit out there and they're so fearful that the preacher's going to call on them to pray. I, I want you to know I will never call on anyone to pray that has not already told me they are willing to pray publicly or uh, I haven't already asked prior. I'll never, I'll never ask somebody to pray publicly. And that's not saying that I, I know some of the, the deepest, the, some of the most special prayers, prayer warriors that I know are those that just cannot pray publicly. That's okay. So whew, you don't have to worry about me ever asking you to pray publicly unless you say uh, you're willing to do it. When do we pray? Well, God's word is very clear. Without ceasing. What in the world does that mean? Pray without ceasing. We're going to talk about that. Pray without ceasing. We're going to talk about the role of prayer in a believer's life. And folks, i got to tell you, it's critical. It's critical. If you are neglecting your prayer life, and uh-oh, preacher, you quit preaching and went to meddling. But if your prayer life suffers, your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ is also going to suffer. You need to understand that. You need to understand that prayer works. There's one thing here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship we believe, right? Is that prayer works. Now what prayer is not it's not some kind of mystic coin that you take and you put into this dispensing machine called God. And here's what you want, and you're going to put it in, and you're going to tell this machine what you want and push the right button. That's not what prayer is. It's not some supernatural token that you take and use in order to get God to do your bidding, to do your will. As a matter of fact, a successful prayer life is understanding that we pray Lord, not my will be done, but yours. And we pray in his will. And with the expectation, with the expectation, and we're going to get into this more, that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. Understanding that we have already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. God already knows we have, what we have need of. 
I've already shared this with you many times before, but it serves as a perfect example. When Faye and I were out there on the farm, I wanted a new tractor. I wanted a new tractor, but I never got one. And every time I'd say something to Faye about a new tractor, she'd say, if you needed it, God would supply it. I didn't need it. So I made do with the old 1948 Massey Ferguson that I had, and it served me until the day it just it didn't any longer. And then we moved, and I didn't need it. See, so God, God is so faithful to supplying what we need according to his riches in glory. But I got to stand up here and tell you, I am so very glad that God has not given me everything I wanted in life. He has been faithful not to provide me with everything that I have prayed for down through the years. While we're in this study, we're going to be talking about the lies and misconceptions and the false doctrines that are associated with prayer. And what happens to those who do not rightly divide the word and how they get so bogged down expecting prayers to be answered and they're not and then their faith is shattered. Prayer is not some supernatural incantation that causes God to be uh, obligated to carry out your desires. It's not that at all. We're going to talk about what prayer actually is and how absolutely important it is in a believer's, in a believer's life. But first of all, I want us to talk about and emphasize prayer in a believer's life. That person who has been made a new creation. And prayer is not all about getting what you want from God. You will never hear any message about name it and claim it from this pulpit or in this church. Because those that preach that don't know what God's Word says about what prayer is. We're going to talk about what prayer says about your walk with the Lord Jesus. That's one of the reasons why when I mentioned earlier as I get, get into this and start studying, I get really convicted. Really convicted. Because I think what it says about our prayer life and the importance that you put in your, in your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Your priorities... I think are determined by two things, your prayer life and your Bible study. And I am really meddling now, huh? But folks, I think that's what God's Word teaches us. I'm going to lay a foundation this morning on what prayer is and why we pray, why every believer 
every new creation should desire to walk in the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot walk in the Spirit if you don't pray. You can't. You wonder sometimes, why aren't there victories in my life? It just seems the flesh takes control, and I keep, keep tripping over my own fleshly lust and desires, and I have such a difficult time in my walk with the Lord. Well, we're going to talk about why that is. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let's start with verse 16. Every new creation, everyone who claims the name of Christ, everyone who has by faith trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection, everyone who has believed the gospel should have a desire to pray. Because God has a desire to commune with you. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You wonder why you trip and you fall and you fail and the victory is not there. That verse pretty well explains it in a nutshell or in two scripture verses what is happening. Now there's some explanation to this verse that we need to make that I think throws a lot of people off. Verse 16, this I say then that you walk in the spirit that spirit is not the Holy Spirit. It's capitalized, and so a lot of people think that it is talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit that has been quickened, that's been made alive, so that it's more of a little s. It's walk, you're either walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit. And that is the little, it's the flesh and the spirit that's been made alive, that's been quickened by God. They war against one another. The flesh has an overwhelming desire to be gratified, to be satisfied. I mean, when you stop and think about it, the flesh and the soul sort of went around together and they've been living a long life. Then all of a sudden you come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and that which had, was dead in sin and trespasses, God quickens and makes alive and the, and the flesh is going, you get a load of that. It does not want to deal with that. So the flesh and the spirit, they war against one another. See, man was created as a trichotomy. What that means is there's three parts to you, just like we are created in His image. 
we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of the universe is a trinity. Space, matter, time. No matter where you look, everything is a trinity, including you. You have a body. You have a soul. You have a spirit. But that spirit, thanks to Adam, was died. You are lost in sin and trespasses. And it's not until you, by faith, trust the Lord Jesus Christ, because you have a soul. The soul is the center of your emotions. Your soul is the, the center of your thinking. And you're able to make decisions with your soul. I mean, if it's left up, left up to your body, your body would basically just say, no, just gratify me. <laughs> Do those things that my body loves to do. But the soul, the soul, it can make a decision, one decision, well, two decisions, to either believe or reject. And I think the soul is capable of believing that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And the moment you believe that, according to God's Word, according to Ephesians 2, Five, God quickens. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved. That quickens be, means to be made alive. You have been made alive. That spirit that was dead, separated from God, that spirit that God communicates with, the Holy Spirit communicates Look at Romans 8. I think it's Romans 8. Yeah, verse 16, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. That's what's been quickened, what's been made alive which communes with God, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. So here in, back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, when it says that we are to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that means we need to concentrate on the things that is going to enhance that spirit as it moves and works and directs and guides our life. And you know what does that? Getting back to what we were just talking about? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer and Bible study. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust for the flesh lust against the spirit... Someone once said that that, uh, that spirit talks about the new nature. Um, so if you want to say that that's the new nature, uh, the new man, uh, and gives you helps you to understand it better, that's okay. For walk in the new nature, uh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, you know, the flesh lusts against that new nature, I hesitate to say that, and here's the reason. 
but the scripture does not talk about man having an old nature and a new nature. You know that? There, only Christ Jesus had two natures, divine and human. The Bible talks about us having, being in the old man and the new man. And you say, but that's just semantics. Okay, and if you want to say that's the new, the new nature, that, that change that God has brought about in your life, he's made you a new creation, that's scriptural, then that's good. And so if that helps you to understand this, but you need to understand that when you came to know the Lord Jesus, you were placed from the old man out of, you were taken out of Adam and you were placed into the new man, Christ Jesus, and you're to walk in him. And you were sealed in him to the day of redemption. You were, you were lost, not because of your sins. Now, when I start talking like this, people say, you need to expand on that a whole lot longer. You sin because of your relationship with Adam. It just comes natural because you're in the old man. You rebel against God because of that relationship with Adam. But the way God sees you is he takes you out of that old man where you are condemned already, and he places you into the new man, takes you out of the old Adam, puts you into the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, and you, you become a new creation. You become a new man. That's, that's the work of God, and that spirit is alive, it is well, it is working, and in order for that to grow and for you to mature, you have got to pray. You have got to spend time praying and seeking the Lord. Verse 18 of Galatians chapter 5, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you be led of the Spirit. In other words, if you've been made a new creation, if you're saved, because that's what that is. If, if you've been saved, you're no longer under the law. What are you under? Grace. Amen. You're under grace. Then 19 through 21 talks about the works of the flesh. Nobody wants to be part of that. You show me a believer that looks at that and goes, I want to identify with that. I'll show you someone who's not a believer. That's so contrary to the Holy Spirit working and relating to your spirit that it's unfathomable that someone would want To abide by those things. Verse 21 says that they which do such things. The word do there has to do with practice on a continual basis. There have been believers that have fallen, who have sinned, who have, I dare say, most of you, if not all of you, have already sinned before you got here this morning. Can I see you show? No, I'm not going to ask you to do that. And, I, and if you didn't before you got here, you will before you go home. Some of you may have already sinned just listening to this sermon. I don't know. But I'm telling you that what that's talking about of those who practice, those who continually do these things, they're not believers. But you want to know what signs, what fruit is? pretty obvious 
and a person who does know the Lord, well, there's the fruit of the Spirit, and all of those are listed, love and joy. See, God desires to commune with you and to love you and to work and direct your life. Walking in the Spirit requires two things. Are you willing to do these two things? Pray and study His Word. It's as simple as that. Pray and study His Word. You can't neglect either one. You say, but I... You know, I'm, I'm afraid that I might not get it right when I start praying. There's really no right way or wrong way to pray. To my knowledge, there is no amount, no established amount of these and thous that you got to say when you pray. I, I can't find it in the Scripture. Do you pray with your eyes closed, with your eyes open? I can tell you that I do a lot of praying between Herman and here. So I can tell you that I do a lot of praying with my eyes open. You'll be glad to hear that. Do we pray with our heads bowed or do we pray with our heads up? I do a lot of driving between praying between Herman and here. Do we kneel? Do we stand? Do we fall flat on our face? Maybe all of the above. Maybe all of the above. But there is no right way. There is no wrong way. You just need to pray. Amen. Matter of fact, I, I got to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest, greatest inventions as part of the cell phone is this hands-free driving. Because now as I'm driving down the road, people don't look over and think I'm crazy. Because as you're praying, people used to, I'm sure, because I used to think that I'd be driving down the road and I'd look over to somebody and they would just be chattering away. See, now they think I'm on the phone talking to somebody. Uh, but I am talking to someone, but it's God. It's God. See, there is no right way or wrong way unless, unless you do it in the form of the way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees did it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord Jesus criticized the religious leaders for their long and public prayers. They did it all for show. They honored him with their lips, but their heart was far from him. Those were criticized for, those, for their types of prayers. The purpose of praying is to draw you closer to the one you desire to get to know. Isn't that right? Why, why do you talk? Why, what's the purpose of talking to somebody? Isn't the purpose you talk to somebody, especially somebody you kind of like? You, you talk to them because you want to get to know them better. If you don't talk to them, you're never going to get to know them. I think about the first time I ever noticed Faith. I thought, wowzer. 
I want to get to know her. I want to know who she is. But can you imagine if I had not gone up to her and started talking to her? If I had not started communicating to her or with her? See, now don't tell her, I'm going to tell you guys something, but you cannot tell her I said this, okay? She's downstairs getting ready, so... We started college together, and I think she and I were the first two students at American Christian College. We were in the newspaper, her in Montana, me in Alabama, and we were going to go to college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's, that's uh, Faye on the left. Well, you're right. <laughs> I can tell you that it's old because it says Ricky on there. It was Ricky. And that the big shows the whole the whole newspaper article. We we saved that wherever it is. But anyway, yeah, there it is. Christian Crusade Weekly had that and showed the dorms were getting uh, ready for the students. The first two students accepted there. And and uh, but I remember when we first started, I, I noticed her and I wanted to get to know her. I remember that I I. Uh, Went up to her, and I was going to ask her if she'd let me walk her back to her dorm or to the library. I'm sure it was to the library. But uh, there was another guy there that I named him Flash because I bet we were only there for a few hours, and he was already tagging around her like nobody's business. And I thought to myself, they must have known each other before now. Because he, 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 was, he was everywhere she was. There was Garvin. Nobody's name is Garvin out there, right? Okay. And I remember I went up to her, and I was going to ask her if I could walk her back to the dorm. And about that time, Garvin walked up, and he said something like, well, I, I thought I was going to be walking her back. And I went, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. And Faye says, Hey, don't be so quick to do what he says. And I went, huh? She said, I'll let you walk me back. <laughs> smart move. Don't tell me my wife's not smart. So almost 53 years later, she's saying, hey, don't be so quick to give in. And so Garvin got the message. But... Had I not made that move to get to know her, had I not made that move to let her know that I was interested, I'd have never known that, known that she was interested. And there were things about her that would have never come out. But I listened to her. I spent time. I communed with her. And that relationship was built upon that communication. Friends, it's no different from our communication and our relationship with our God. The more I talked with her or anyone else you want to get to know, the more you talk with them, the more you know them, the easier it is to talk to them. Yeah, the first time it might be a little bit strange. It might be a little bit awkward. You might know... You may not know exactly what to say, but after you talk to them for, for a while, it kind of opens up and you get to know them. 
And don't tell me you don't have anything in common with God because you live in His creation. You can just start by thanking Him for His creation, thanking Him for His love for you, thanking Him for what He did on your behalf. I mean, you can spend a long time just in adoration and praise with God. So you talk to God. That's what prayer is. And see, God talks to us through His Word. And we're going to be talking about that when we get in, as we get into the prayer, the, this prayer series. God talks to us through His Word. He talks to us in no other fashion but through His Word. If anybody ever comes up to you and says, God has a message to give to you, that came here, oh, it's been several years ago now. He, he had a letter that he wanted to share with the church, something that God had told him, a, a new special revelation that God wanted him to share with the church. And I said, no, thank you. I said, this is God's revelation to us. Now, if what he said went along with what the book says, then, yeah, let's have it. You can preach. Well, not this guy. But most they can preach. They can share. But it's got to be according to God's word. It can't be something, well, the Holy Spirit gave me a new revelation. The Holy Spirit gave me a message. I have no way of confirming that. And besides, if the Holy Spirit is going to give him a message to give to me, why can't the Holy Spirit just give that message to me and cut out the middleman? That's the way I feel about it. So as we pray, we understand that we grow. We are able to walk in the Spirit. What feeds our spirit, what enables us to get the upper hand over the flesh is prayer and study of God's Word where we talk to him and he talks to us. The next week, we're going to talk about the types of prayer. We're going to talk about adoration. We're going to talk about supplication. We're going to talk about our petitions. We're going to talk about Philippians 4, 6, and the kind of prayer that we are to take before, before God. A good friend sent me something, and being... The friend I am, I left it upstairs. But anyway, it was really good. I, it, I just, I, I'll use it next week. It, it'll fit next week. But as we pray, remember this. God never fails to answer your prayer. He's faithful to answer your prayer every time. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is no. And I don't know whoever came up with this. If God closes a door, he opens a window. I cannot find that scripturally anywhere. I don't, I, that, that's just not there. That, not necessarily. If God closes a door, he's opening a window. No, he may not want you outside. He may want you right where he has you because he's working on you, dealing with you right there. 
If God closes the door, don't start looking for a window. Start looking to God to show you what his purpose and will is for your life. And as I said before, how I thank God for unanswered prayer. One more thing and we'll be done. Look at Romans chapter 8. I don't want to leave this out. As we start this series on prayer, something you all need to know, you need to be aware of. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The bottom line is, we don't know how to pray anyway. You're saying, I, I, I just don't know how to pray. None of us do. None of us do. But Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. How many of you are glad of that? I know I am. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It doesn't matter that you don't know how to pray. It doesn't matter that you don't know what to pray for. What matters is that you pray, you approach God's throne of grace. That's why that song that Dorothy sang last Sunday was so important and so meaningful to me anyway. I didn't come here to ask you for anything. I just came to talk with you, Lord. How truthful that is. You've answered so many prayers or more that I forgot to thank you for. I just came to talk to you, Lord. Maybe tomorrow there'll be trials and sorrows and a thousand teardrops may fall. But until I reach tomorrow's plan, I have, however it goes, sing it again, Dorothy. I, have, I may have no special favors to ask. I just came to talk with you, Lord. That's what God welcomes. That's what he wants for us just to come and crawl upon his lap. Hey, i got to tell you, as a grandfather, well, as a father, and as a grandfather, even before my babies or my grandbabies could talk, I just wanted to hold them and listen to them coo and listen to them chuckle and listen to them spit up. It didn't matter. I just wanted to hold them. See, I think our Heavenly Father is the same way. You don't have to know how to pray. He just wants you to come and just fellowship with Him. Just enjoy what He desires for you to know about who He is. The greatest joy One of the greatest joys you'll ever experience is when prayer becomes an absolute common experience for you throughout the day. I, I'll be honest with well, I'm always honest with you. One of the greatest joys of my life is in the morning praying with my wife. And I'll tell you, we've not always prayed together. Yeah, you get busy and you leave and you go to work and you do this. You get so wrapped up in your life. But for years now, we pray together for all of you every morning. Then she makes me walk with her. But the praying, I don't mind. But it's the highlight of my day. Don't 
Well, you can tell her that. Don't tell her I hate walking. I think she already knows it, but I still do it. What a joy. As we hold hands and together we go before God's throne of grace. And he listens for his son's sake. And I happen to be in him, sealed, blood-bought, saved for all eternity. And this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you, the work has already been done. Christ did the work on Calvary's cross. What we must do in order to be saved according to His Word is believe. And what you believe is important. Amen? Believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. If you don't believe that, we need to talk. And not just that He died, but He died for you. Not just that He was buried, He was buried for you. Not that He rose again, but He rose again for you. He was delivered for your offenses when He hung on the cross. Your sin was there. Your sin was being imputed. It was being placed. It was being delivered upon Him. And you know what you receive in return? His righteousness. Wow. What a swap. What a swap. That's what God's Word says. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. How we thank you that we can approach your throne of grace with gladness and with confidence. And Father, as we approach your throne of grace, it's always with the assurance that you're listening, that you care, and that you want the very best. And so, Father, we trust you that regardless of what comes into our lives, it is the very best as you mold and as you shape, as you direct. Father, our desire is to grow in Christ, understanding the tribulation and trials that good and bad things happening, Father, that all is working to conform us to the image of your Son. Father, we praise your name for that. And Father, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that's never by faith trusted you, Father, may the Holy Spirit just convict them to such a degree that they just can't stand another moment without by faith trusting in your death, burial, and resurrection. Father, may they understand that hell is real. But so is the offer of heaven. And may they by faith trust Christ. Now, Father, we pray for the meal that's about to follow. Father, we pray that you'll bless this food to our bodies, our bodies to your service. We pray for the, the service that's going to follow as we celebrate this dear brother's life, how we thank you for Howard Lancaster. And Father, as we gather here in just a little while, may you be glorified. May this dear friend be honored. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.